Today's story might be a little embarrassing because you'll see me make a monkey of myself. Welcome to Stories from India. This is a podcast that will take you on a journey through the rich mythology, folklore and history of the Indian subcontinent. I am Narad Muni, the celestial storyteller and the original Time Lord. With my ability to travel through space and time, I can bring you fascinating stories from the past, the present and the future. From the epic tales of the Mahabharat and Ramayana to the folk tales of the Panchatantra to stories of Akbar Birbal and Thenali Raman. I have a story for every occasion. The purpose of the stories is neither to pass judgment nor to indoctrinate. My goal is only to share these stories with people who may not have heard them before and to make them more entertaining for those who have. This is episode number 200. That is a milestone, even though the actual number of episodes is a little bit higher, if you include all the bonus and mini episodes. Still, it is worth celebrating. So I thought it would be very fitting to talk about me. Yep. Today's story is a first-hand account. Now, this might be a little bit embarrassing for me, but you'll see me make a monkey out of myself. We'll also see me break the time traveler's code and reveal the future. Something that should have gotten me in trouble. But somehow, I got off the hook. You'll probably know that my primary job is to hobnob with gods and goddesses. And that's what I mostly do. Except when I'm playing the veena. If you're unfamiliar with the veena, it is a musical instrument. It has strings, like the guitar. But it is more Indian and more classical. Anyway, so on the day that the story starts, I was minding my own business wandering through a forest when I was rudely interrupted by my own thoughts. Experiencing this serene forest atmosphere, I was tempted to try something out. You see, I had often seen many other rishis who sat meditating in an environment just like this, and they had managed it for days, months, years, and even decades. I'd always wondered what it felt like. Right now, I was just coming from lunch at the palace of a friendly king. And I was due to arrive for high tea at the palace of a different friendly king. And after that, I had some time before I headed over for dinner to a third king's palace. I guess, figuring out my route 
would be considered more of a traveling foodie problem than a traveling salesman problem. And then there were interesting detours, like this forest. While it was nice to be welcomed everywhere and to always have a place at the dining table wherever I went, it wasn't always ideal. Sometimes, I wish that I could go about incognito. For one thing, I wouldn't have to deal with never-ending questions about the future. Tell me the winning lottery numbers. Tell me if my neighboring kingdom will attack. Tell me if it will rain so I know whether to take my family to the royal beach tomorrow. Those are just a few of the questions I keep getting. And they expect me to answer them because I have revealed the future before. Some of my hosts point out that I had told Savitri about Satyavan back in episode 31. I tried to tell them that that episode was almost three years ago, but they don't readily accept any kind of deflection. So, to cut a long story short, I was looking for a break from all this pressure. And now, here, in this forest, it seemed that there might be a chance of getting it. I decided to meditate the way I had seen many rishis do. I had theoretical knowledge of how to meditate, of course. You should already know by now that I have unlimited knowledge of everything. But that doesn't mean I knew exactly how to do it. What I learned is that meditating is a little bit like being a tourist. I mean, you can't just get your experience from a guidebook. You've got to immerse yourself, walk along the streets, sample the local panipuri and try the local lassi. So that's what I proceeded to do. As soon as I closed my eyes, I drifted off, my thoughts in multiple directions. I began to think of deep thoughts that had been nagging me for a while, but which I never had time to focus on before. As it turned out, I had bottled up a lot of deep thoughts. Life, the meaning of the universe, why my dad is so eager to grant wishes to anyone who prays to him, why Vishnu is so awesome, and so on. It was only later I found out that I was in deep meditation for years. The king, who was expecting me for high tea, got worried when I didn't show. His search party found me in the forest. And because it's a sin to disturb a meditating person, they left me alone. I guess, though that rule applies only to ordinary humans, because there was a different king who took a completely different action when he heard that I was meditating. And this other king was Indra, the king of the Devs. He lived up in heaven or Swarg, but often his business was down here 
on earth and today his business was me you see indra is a bit worried about how everyone on earth seems to be getting all kinds of superpowers and this king of the devs was determined to put a stop to it because he felt that they were a threat to his own powers indra had in the past hired some very expensive management consultants they spent 20 years and a considerable amount of his money to analyze this growing problem they got all the details they wanted from indra and fed him back his own ideas only they dressed it up nicely in a report the primary observation in the regurgitated report was that most people who ended up with supernatural powers had begun by meditating in a serene forest or a mountain setting the easiest way out was to disrupt their meditation when that happened it would either discourage the person into giving up or they would decide to start all over again and that meant they could get interrupted again the report also confirmed that indra's response to such situations was the correct one to send in the apsaras or celestial dancers their dancing and the accompanying catchy music were perfectly optimized to distract and in the unlikely case that the apsaras wouldn't succeed there was a backup plan you might wonder why this applies to me i am not an ordinary human why was indra worried about my meditation well two things he didn't know that i was not seeking more superpowers and secondly he had just installed an automatic response system so that i was surrounded by apsaras pretty much as soon as i started meditating i didn't hear them at all of course i only learned about this later i was far too focused in my thoughts the apsaras turned up the volume they brought in these massive speakers and amplifiers and they switched to some very elaborate dance moves but nothing bothered me i kept meditating indra then sent in reinforcements kamdev the god of love kamdev's power is to inspire love of the non-platonic variety kamdev's powers had tempted shiva himself and when you consider that shiva is amongst the holy trinity the most powerful beings in the universe that's saying something kamdev did pay the price for it though when shiva got angry and opened his third eye it vaporized kamdev it took forever for kamdev's disintegrated atoms to slowly 
reassemble. And now, this god of love positioned his bow and aimed his arrow straight at me. It wasn't an arrow that would cause physical pain. This one was designed to manipulate the victim's emotions, to make them give in to temptation, to see the world around them in a different light. Well, none of that worked on me. I continued meditating. Indra tried a couple of other gods. He had Agni, the god of fire, create a warm and toasty fire that should have made me uncomfortable. Vayu, the god of wind, whooshed all around me. But nothing worked. The only thing that worked was me deciding to open my eyes. I was surprised to see so many people around me. Apsaras, Kamdev, Agni and Vayu. And Indra was there himself. Indra sounded a little worried when he asked what new superpowers I had received. I told him that I hadn't received any new superpowers. I'd just been meditating for the sake of meditating. Not to receive a superpower, to play my veena in a fancy new way or something similar. All of them looked daggers and knives at me. As if all of their wasted time and effort was somehow my fault. Well, I went my merry way after that. And as I reflected on this incident, I realized that maybe, yeah, I had discovered a new superpower. Something I always had and that only became apparent to me now. I could overcome temptation. Kamdev's arrows are ordinarily infallible. Even Shiva, who had the power to destroy the entire universe, was affected. But I wasn't. Not that I was trying to show off or anything, but I thought, why not ask Shiva about it? So, I went straight to Mount Kailash, where Shiva lives. It's a pretty cold place, given it's high up in the Kailash range, past the Himalayas. Shiva even had an alternative warm palace constructed for his family, and then just gave it away and stayed in Kailash. And that's not all. He gave that palace away to Ravan, the evil king of Lanka. But that's a story for another time. Shiva greeted me warmly, not just because my father, Brahma, is part of the Holy Trinity too. Shiva knew what I had done, of course. All three of them, Shiva, Brahma and Vishnu, seem to have powers to observe everything, everywhere in the universe. It seems necessary, since their main function is to create, destroy 
and preserve the universe. Shiva complimented me for how well I had resisted Kamdev's attempts to distract me. My chest swelled with pride. I'd never heard such praise from any of the three of them before. Maybe that was what got into my head a little. Shiva sensed it and when leaving, he even cautioned me against showing off my recent achievement to Vishnu. But hey, how could I not? I'm Vishnu's biggest fan. I'm president for life of his fan club. Everywhere I go, I'm always chanting his name. How could I avoid this opportunity to be complimented by someone whom I deeply admired? And I thought Shiva had praised me. Surely Vishnu would also do that. Well, he did. Vishnu nodded his head slightly and said, "Well done, Narad." Which coming from Vishnu is high praise indeed. In retrospect, I should not have spent the next two hours describing how I overcame busloads and busloads of apsaras, how I swiftly dodged a barrage of arrows from Kamdev, and how I avoided the Category Six hurricane from Vayu, the tsunami from Varun, the Mount Everest-sized fire from Agni. I would have gone on with my story, with even more exaggerations, but Vishnu interrupted to say that we had to get going. Princess Shrimati was having a swayamvar, and that we were both on the guest list, and we should probably get going now if we wanted to arrive in time. A swayamvar, in case you don't know, is a ceremony. Where a bride selects a groom from amongst a carefully screened audience. That gave me an idea. You see, I'd heard of the princess, especially her intelligence, her charm, and her humor. Each of those was off the charts, in a good way. I was thinking of settling down. And giving domestic life a try, and for someone like me, with universal knowledge and the ability to travel in space and time, it seemed like the princess might make the ideal companion. An idea struck me, and walking together with Vishnu, I immediately put it into action. You know how I've never asked you for anything. I've just been a hopelessly devoted fan of yours. Vishnu sensed where I was going and told me, "Yeah, no problem. What do you want? Whatever, it's yours." Well, what I wanted was a decent shot at being picked by the princess at her swayamvar. I knew where I needed a boost. My face. So I asked Vishnu to give me a face like Hari. You might wonder who Hari is. 
But let me clarify. Hari is just another name for Vishnu. There are other meanings of this name too, which I knew obviously, but I didn't think about it in that situation. And that is why I had to pay a heavy price. You see, Hari could also refer to multiple tawny-colored animals, lions, monkeys, and if there were any giraffes in ancient India, they might also have been called Hari. Well, Vishnu changed my face to that of a monkey. I didn't feel any difference, but that's again because of Vishnu's skill. There were curious stares from people along the way and even at the princess's palace. Nobody really snickered except for the princess. Well, not snickering technically. She burst out into laughter when she saw me. She couldn't help it. It was rude, I know. But I wasn't offended. Only puzzled. Obviously, she did not pick me during the swayamvar. Later, Vishnu took me to a nearby pond. And when I saw my own monkey face reflected in it, I understood what had happened. I wasn't happy, of course, but neither was I upset. It's impossible to get upset with Vishnu. He had done exactly what I'd asked him to do, to give me the face of Hari. And it wasn't all doom and gloom. The princess's rude laughter made me feel that I had dodged a bullet after all. The one thing I reflected on was the irony of the situation. I was separated from my potential wife just the way that Vishnu, as Ram, was going to be separated from his wife, Sita. The irony was that he would be dependent on help from monkeys to rescue her. Vishnu agreed somberly and he didn't say anything more about it. So that was it. There I was. I had just broken the time traveler's code by talking about a future event. Most people seem to have interpreted my remarks as having cursed Vishnu. My view on that is that it only matters what I know and what Vishnu knows. And we both knew that I wasn't cursing him. I was only talking about a future that we both knew was going to happen. And now, you know the truth as well. That's it for this time. This isn't the first time Vishnu has disrupted my chance at domestic life. In the very first episode, episode 0, Rockstar, Vishnu demonstrated the power of Maya. Check it out if you haven't heard it before. In the next episode, by popular demand, 
we'll do a Vikram and Betal story. We'll see a security guard ask for higher than normal wages and why those wages might be worth it. We'll also see a doomsday prediction and all kinds of rash actions from many people. Thank you all for the comments on social media and on Spotify's Q&A. I can't directly reply to the questions there, but I'll address them here on the show. Thank you Arush, Vamsi, Parasasappi and Bindu for the feedback and suggestions. I've got a long backlog and I appreciate your patience as I work through it. I plan to put up a similar poll as last time. Unfortunately, the poll only has seven items. So I'll have to rotate in new story ideas and categories as and when I cover some other ones. If you have any other comments or suggestions or if there are particular stories that you'd like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast or reply to the questions on Spotify's Q&A. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.